Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast and the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. I'm Drew, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ben. Thanks, Drew. Each episode, we will sample beers, both local and beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or stream each episode on wannabewalkons.com. New episodes drop during the Nebraska football season every Tuesday at 11 a.m. On this week's episode, Drew and I will sample beer from Lincoln, Nebraska's Empyrean Brewing Company, (laughs) share our thoughts on the Purdue game, and look ahead to the Ohio State Buckeyes. I'm Ben. And I'm depressed, and this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. So, Drew, how does it feel to personally be coming back after a bye week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did get the week off. I am coming back just as flat and out of it as Nebraska did. So Oof. I did not, I didn't prepare any better than they did. And it's probably going to show. Well, just a disclaimer, we normally record our podcast episodes Sunday afternoon where we've had some time to digest what just happened. We've let the emotions kind of dissipate. But we're not doing that tonight. We are jumping right in for a Saturday night reaction. So a couple of things. One, you're going to get some very honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be a little more open. Um, We're probably going to drink more beer because it's Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. We also don't have all the information that we normally share on our episodes, like the record of our opponent, because the Ohio State-Penn State game is currently going on. And we also don't know the kickoff time yet for the Ohio State game. I would imagine it's probably going to be 8.30 (laughs) a.m. So anyways, what are we drinking? <laughs> <laughs> Heavily. Yeah. We, we, where are we? Well, it's, uh, we're drinking Empyrean today on this episode. Yeah, this is, so I, can I say about Empyrean? Yeah. Empyrean is, was my first introduction to Nebraska craft beer. Yeah. And it remains one of my favorite breweries. Like their whole main selection that you find throughout, you know, throughout the stores here in Nebraska is just great. Yeah. yeah. Mind over mango. Long Ooh, route? Yeah, yeah. I had a long route during the game, actually, oh, nice. just by chance. Yeah, I think long route of all of the peanut butter beers I've tried is the most pure peanut butter flavor you get in a beer. It's, yeah. It's really... All the other impeccable. ones kind of just live in the shadow of that of the that peanut butter. Yeah, for me. a yeah. lot of them are just roasted nut. This That's like real <laughs> <laughs> peanut butter flavor. Well, let's learn, learn us something about Empyrean. How's that sound? And then we can dive back into talking about what we're actually drinking from Empyrean. All right. 
So Empyrean has some killer marketing and beautiful meaning behind their branding. In my research, I found that they are incredibly in tune with how they name and market each beer. We're going to take a trip together and learn more about Empyrean Brewing Company. Since the dawn of time, all civilizations have had two things in common. They gazed skyward to marvel at the secrets of the cosmos, and they made beer. The ancients believed paradise existed at the highest point in the universe, a fiery sphere called the Empyrean. Inspired by these tales, Empyrean Brewing Company set out to infuse every batch of their handcrafted ales with their unique notion of paradise. Everything Empyrean is today started with a simple goal back in 1990, to provide Lincoln with the best food and beer in Nebraska. The original Laszlo's Brewery and Grill in Lincoln started with delicious food and quickly evolved into a brewery dedicated to meticulously crafting unforgettable microbrews that enthusiasts and novices enjoyed savoring. In 1990, Rich Chapin, an award-winning home brewer, was hired on as the head brewer at Laszlo's. On March 20th, 1991, Laszlo's officially opened their doors and cemented themselves as Nebraska's first brew pub. Through the rest of the year, they would go on to sell 500 barrels of beer, or about 15,500 gallons. Jump to 1997, and customers began requesting Laszlo's beer at non-Laszlo's restaurants, and in order to convince restaurant owners to carry a competitor's beer, they requested the beer be branded under a different name. This led to the creation of Empyrean Brewing Company, a brewing entity separate from the Laszlo's name. By 1999, Empyrean began bottling their beer and with their distribution partnership with KNZ and Lincoln and Miller Brands of Omaha, became the first craft brewery in Nebraska to bottle beer. Empyrean continued to find fans across the state and in 2002 was the first Nebraska brewery to distribute statewide. Their beer could be found west to Scotts Bluff, north to Norfolk, east to Omaha, and south to Beatrice. In 2005, 14 years after their opening, Annual beer sales topped out at 3,200 barrels or 100,000 gallons of beer. Empyrean and Laszlo celebrated by breaking ground on their West Omaha location. In 2016, Old Chicago requested a special beer for a testing event, and Rich Chapin created Long Route Peanut Butter Porter. What was meant to be a one-off creation quickly sold out and made the beer a permanent fixture in the Empyrean lineup. And as we talked about, a personal favorite of our own. Yeah. Now, 30 years later, Empyrean has established themselves as the godfather of Nebraska beer. Now led by head brewer Tid Binderup, they continue to reach for the stars and pursue the answers to life's deepest questions all over a pint of bitters. All they ask in return is that you, quote, contemplate the sublime beauty of the world, enjoy a freshly brewed Empyrean ale, and discover your utopia in every sip. And that is Empyrean Brewing Company from Lincoln, Nebraska. If you want to learn more about Empyrean Brewing Company, Check out episode 62 of Grady McGuire's Nebraska Beer 30 podcast. He actually interviews the operation manager of Empyrean, and I learned a ton from that episode. I also learned a ton from doing some independent research, but that's just a great way to hear someone from the company talk about the founding and how they came about serving beer. Yeah, it's cool. It's like the it's the Nebraska OG. They are. Yeah. And I'm glad they stuck around all these years, and they keep they keep putting stuff out, like what we're drinking right now. You come to me <laughs> on this the day of Trev Albert's son's wedding <laughs> and ask me for beer. They're the godfathers. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's talk about let's talk about what we're drinking. Okay, cool. Okay, all right. This beer is called Riding Red Ale. It is a limited edition red ale that's coming from Empyrean Brewing Company. It registers in at five point two percent alcohol by volume. Drew, what are we thinking? Red ales are, are 
they use specialty malts that are like they're crystal crystal caramel type malts that give it that red color and they give it a little more malty body and whatnot so um, but they still kind of pursue the the hoppiness that you find in pale ales so this is a very american style that that looks to go a little bit hoppier but it's got that malt backbone to kind of balance things back out yeah so if you're into if you're into the pale ale scene you know this is a good one for you but if you're into the malty scene then this is a good one for you too the hop notes are very present right out of the gate yeah so describing the malt as the backbone is very accurate because it really smooths off the beer on the backside. You're getting hit right away with those really crisp uh, hops and then it just finishes really nice and smooth, has a nice head on the pour, great color. Everything about this beer is one that you could have with a nice burger, a nice steak, or just sitting around a campfire or something along those lines. It would hit the spot kind of in any moment. Yeah, and these are the types of beers I think that are really hard to pull off because you have kind of competing elements. You don't want your malts to get out of the way to let the hops kind of shine and take over, and and you don't want your hops to do too much of the work. And I think that they did a really nice job with this one. So, yeah, yeah, this is great. This is a great beer that's kind of, you know, I, I came into this recording feeling a little bit down, but this is already, it's already picked me up a little bit, so... Well, there's plenty more where that came from. No reason to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> so, Drew. Uh, <laughs> Tell me what's bringing, you to, what's bringing you down today, Bruce. Um, I think it's Nebraska losing to Purdue 28-23 to in yeah. a just turd of a game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, an absolute ugh of a, of a four quarters. Oh uh, yeah, this was this was not this was not an easy game to watch. No. But at the same time, like I am, I'm honestly just I do have a part of me that just doesn't care, which is right, and that's the that's the apathy that everybody is afraid of. Yeah. Yep. We lost. Uh, we lost a one score game to a team that we should have beat, and we had the lead on them, and we had no reason to lose it. We, yeah. We had a negative four turnover margin. Adrian Martinez made some horrible decisions. The defense looked pretty good through most of the game, but the offense couldn't pick it up. Yeah. Just another fall Saturday in Nebraska. Sure. Okay, so what are your overall thoughts on the game? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just, I'm sad. I'm sad because I've really felt like there was progress. I really, yeah. truly, deep down believed that we were getting there. Sure. Earlier this season. And then, the, and then Minnesota came around and now Purdue... In Minnesota, you could kind of come up with some excuses. Minnesota was coming off their bye week. Um, Nebraska was on their eighth game in a row. They'd come off some emotional losses, but they had shown progress up to that point. They were on the road, blah, blah, blah. There's no excuse for this game. There's none. Like, Nebraska's on the opposite side of that. They were coming off the bye week. They were the ones that were saying, hey, we got to do better. Like, Minnesota is not who we are. They had a chance to prove it. They were at home playing against an inferior opponent. I'm just dis- I'm disappointed. I'm just, that's that's it. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. Yeah. So should we dive into special teams? Yeah, we can. Okay. <clears throat> do you do you know that we returned a punt eleven yards? I did, and I was amazed into Purdue's territory. Yeah. And we made all of our kicks. Yeah. With a new kicker. Yeah. With Contreras. Yep. Yeah. And also one of the best onside kicks. I've ever w- seen. That was a very well executed kick itself. That was that was one of those where. As it was happening, time slowed down. Yeah. Because the ball was just fucking right there. It was so yeah. juicy. Like, you could just reach out and grab it. Yeah. And then Except, they yeah. <laughs> Which Purdue yeah. did. They just reached out and they, grabbed yep. did you see? Did you see JoJo Doman on that play, though? He made, he blew a dude up. Oh, yeah. Go, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if you didn't see that, like, 
if there was one takeaway <laughs> from your heart just being ripped out of your chest, it was watching JoJo Doman just fucking blow this dude up on that yeah. play. It was beautiful. To be fair, I think we kicked an onside kick against Minnesota, and the ball did the same sort of, like, spinny thing. Nebraska's actually got something figured out for how they're kicking this ball to just, like, piss dribble its way yeah. to the just barely past the 10-yard line, and Purdue didn't really make a, a move on the ball right away, which was kind of weird. I would have thought, oh, are, why aren't they... Yeah, they running it was up on the ball. Almost like they were waiting for it yeah. to, to get to the ten the ten yards. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe so, that's where Nebraska's invested all of their time on special teams. All of it. Well, to be just honest, kicks. when you lose six one score <laughs> games in one season, yeah. it's not the worst idea to be well versed in the onside kick. That's fair. And clearly when you watch Nebraska go down and 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 like score in these late game drives, they're clearly working on the two-minute drill, it's just the wrong two minutes. Right. Right? They're scoring the two minutes before the last two <laughs> minutes as opposed to getting the game to where they score in the last two minutes. Yeah. So that's specialty. <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska's offense. What offense? How about I tell you what I think about <laughs> Yeah, let's hear, let's hear some thoughts. Okay, so Nebraska's offense on this game, it looked like they were trying to put the game away at the end of the first half with that deep shot to Toure, that fingertipped. And the commentators on this, they were going back and forth on whether that was Adrian's fault for not putting the ball there or if it was Toure's fault. It's tough either way. I mean, it was fingertips, so do you lay out for it? Or was it a poorly thrown ball? Was it the sunlight? Was it whatever? Regardless of whose fault it was, there was an opportunity and it was missed. Yeah. And then they went for it again. There was an opportunity and it was missed. Yeah. And they went for it again. There was an opportunity and it was missed. The bigger story here is there's opportunity and they're missed. Not whose fault is it specifically from the athlete's perspective. I appreciated the fact that they went for it on three different downs. I was expecting some sort of draw at the end of that half and they still took a shot. So I respect that. I respect that Nebraska was going for it. But they tried to close out the game with that home run ball. And then it looked like they came out on offense at the beginning of the second half. And they were trying to be too cute. Got away from their game plan. And they're like, we're going to take some time, try and get a ball downfield. We wound up getting sacked. We wound up losing yards. Purdue adjusted. And Nebraska played into that adjustment. Purdue was like, we're going to start to bring more pressure. Take away timing. Those types of things. And Nebraska kept trying to go to the air. And eventually they get to a point where offensively they're trying to hit the home run ball to put the game away. And now they're in a hole. Now they're down. And the offense scurried away from this game plan in the first half where they were running Yant and they were running power and they were countering that Karloftis rush and taking him out of the game. And now they basically started calling the plays where he got to come into the game. And eventually you get to a point to where you're in a hole and that guy's going to dig faster than you can climb. Yeah, that was one of my notes is they they did take Karloftis out of the game. But by doing so, they played themselves out of the game as well. They did that on the opposite side of the ball with Bell. It's like, yeah, they took care of him. Yeah. But they forgot about everybody else. Sure. You know, like the on offense, it was it was it was just weird because there were times where like they they were clicking and they were rolling and it looked like it was going to be great. Looked like they were going to be okay. They didn't execute, which is unfortunate. And that's where, like, I kind of, like, pull back on my um, criticisms of the coaching staff. Sure. Is because they do get to these points in the game where it, it if they just execute, if the players just make the plays, yeah, regardless of, you know, who again, who's at fault, if they would just make the plays, 
you know, things go differently. Right. They are put into a position to succeed. They just don't succeed. Sure. So. But you could also argue from the schematic side of things that they're not always put in situations to succeed. Right. That it starts at the top. The coaches are there to get your guys ready to execute and to put a game plan in place where they can confidently do that every time they're asked to do that or more times than not. It shouldn't be a situation where these guys are in poor positions and then the play calling itself on top of it is only burying them deeper and deeper and deeper, especially when you have 30 minutes of empirical evidence before a 20-minute break that shows, hey, we were effective here doing these things, Mm -hmm. and now we're not going to throw to bets. We're not going to run Yant. We're not going to commit to those things that were effective in the beginning. We're not throwing screen passes out to Omar Manning and letting him go to work because he's oversight. Like, there's, there's so much that's going on here that, yes, I can hear the argument that, it's not the coach's fault if the players aren't executing. It is the fault of the coaching to not be doing the right thing. And this is all armchair quarterbacking, and this is all Saturday evening coaching. You know, this is after the game. It's easy to say all this stuff. Yeah. But we have four years of evidence where this 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 is just a repeating. This is the same stuff. Yeah. I recently did some study on just like statistics and understanding how to how to understand trends when you're looking at like just a little chart with all these. Yeah. You know? A trend is when you get five to six different points that are going a certain direction. Okay. Right. And so you, you have your collection of data. Let's say you have up to 15 to 20 points. If you okay. have within this like up and down graph, if you have six dots that are all going the same way, that's a trend statistically. Okay. okay. okay? I feel like Nebraska fooled us this year because it looked like they were trending, but only in like what four games. And it got yeah. to it got to a point where you you wanted to believe that they were trending the the right way. Yeah. And then they come out with these two stinkers. Yeah. And then you're reminded, like, oh yeah, this is who they are. Yeah, they're playing to their it's, average. Yeah, this is what they actually are. And yeah, yeah, again, it's yeah, you have four years of evidence, and there's there's some good games in there yeah. where you see the things come to fruition, but that those are outliers. You know what could help winning that. <laughs> Admitting that we may have been fooled by the trend, but still giving us three points of contact on that graph, that trend upwards. Finishing the season and saying that's not a trend, but that's this group of men going out and giving it fucking everything. Yeah. I said it before. I don't remember what episode I said this in. The, I, don't, I don't know if, the, if this team and these young men are going to find success on the football field. Like That just might not happen. And at this point, it's playing out to be true. But hopefully for their sake that it, it, I don't know, it helps them in life and it teaches them some sort of lesson about perseverance and facing adversity and fighting through it. I mean, I hope they come, I hope they finish 3-0, right? Like, yeah. who wouldn't want that, that, yeah. that ending? I, I hope that they believe that it will and I hope they believe that they can turn it around. Yeah. So let's move into defense. Yeah, let's talk let's about defense. Let's give offense a break and talk about defense. For me, it really boils down to Schematically, I really think that for two weeks in a row, the defense has been out-schemed. When it came to Minnesota, we thought, hey, they don't have their running back, so they're going to be throwing the ball a whole lot. Uh, Nebraska wound up playing Minnesota's wide receivers fairly soft, and then Minnesota found some running backs that nobody knew existed, and they ran all over us. And then the same thing happened to Nebraska against Purdue. Purdue has one 
scholarship running back and all of the other ones are out. And then they had a guy who had ankle surgery four weeks ago and he's starting for them and running all over Nebraska. It's like running hurdles on him. Yeah. Yeah. So Nebraska is committed to stopping David Bell. Cam Taylor Britt does a hell of a job on defense, shutting him down. Gave him enough space to make catches and tackle them right away. Had some nice shoestring tackles. And then anytime there was a deep threat, handled it. But that was about the highlight of the defense. The defense got ran over. Yeah. See, and, I, and they weren't expecting it because they weren't loading the box. They were trying to respect the pass. Yeah. And I, I think that was their game plan. I think it was, let's just shut down Bell. And they assumed that would shut down everything. And it did to an extent, right? Like they lost by five and they and the defense gave up. They didn't give up all the points, right? Nope. So the defense played well enough to win the game. Yeah. They let Adrian O'Connell complete an insane amount of passes. Is his name Adrian or Aiden O'Connell? I don't give a shit. I think it's Aiden O'Connell. I, I didn't even... I shorthanded it to AOC. Oh, okay. And then I just guessed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one way to yeah. turn half of this fan, <laughs> fan base against it. So Mr. AOC, he finished... 34 or 45 for only 233 yards. Yeah. Right? It was 5.2, like, was his average, which is really, really good, but really fucking annoying. Yeah. Just like a gnat. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, it was, he had an insanely high completion percentage throughout the game. And the, the, Nebraska was giving that. Even though our, our defense stopped the run decently, they still gave up probably way more than they should have, especially compared to what they, what they, what else, who, the other people that they've stopped throughout this year. Yeah. It, like they always find a way to do something that you just don't expect. Yeah. And yeah. So it was just, it was an annoying game. Sure. They played great, but it was, they gave up just enough to be annoying. I also have to imagine when you have a coach like Jeff Brom, who's known for his offense, and you get eight, nine games into the season, and Nebraska's now got, this bank of video footage that a guy like Brom can go in and scheme and figure something out, like find the wrinkle that Nebraska just hasn't seen yet that fits to his team and execute on that. And that is kind of what the first half felt like for Nebraska against Purdue is they just were running the ball down the left side, getting it away from Karloftis. And it was off to the races for, for Yant and Johnson was making good hay and we were able to pass to that side too. And then for whatever reason, Brom just schemed something that Nebraska wasn't prepared for. And they were almost stubborn in that sense, that Purdue was going to commit to the run and win it, even though they didn't have some studs back there. You just you kind of wonder, why weren't we ready for that? Why weren't we able to stop that? Why didn't we start to sell out against that and trust our, our secondary? Yeah, trust your guys. That, like Again, if, if Cam Taylor Britt is shutting down Bell... If he's got that on lockdown, you'd like that opens up so many possibilities to to sell out or be more aggressive. And they just didn't do it. Like they kept the linebackers and 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 the rest of the secondary kept scooting over to help double cover Bell and it's like, "Why? Like what are you doing? You don't need that. You do no. not need that. You have him shut down yeah. with one guy, one on one." Yeah. That gives you the advantage and they didn't take advantage of it. So yeah. it was frustrating. Yeah. So who are your most valuable players? <sighs> Cam yeah. Because, yeah, so David Bell had nine catches for 74 yards. It was his second most receptions on the year in a game, but it was his third fewest yards, and it was his second lowest average per catch. And he didn't score either. He didn't score. Yeah. The other guys did because, again, they were double covering him in the end zone for yeah. no good goddamn reason. But, yeah, no, Cam, Cam played exactly the game that he was supposed to play Yeah. and gave the rest of the team a chance to, to play their game as well. Sure. So. My MVPs were any fans in the stadium who stayed till the end of the game. <laughs> I'm serious. They deserve better. I mean, like, that's 
That's most, a fan. No. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. It was it was sad to see it empty towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. Even oh, as yeah. even as you like were holding on hope, watching sure. from home. Flashbacks to like the Northwestern Hail Mary where people were like, <laughs> No, it can it can happen. <laughs> Hang in there, guys. <laughs> and then the I mean, it looked like Nebraska had that onside. It re- like it, it really and then in slow motion, like every time they showed it, I was like, Cam doesn't deserve mm-hmm. that ball to hit him in the face. Mm-hmm. No, this was, I, I, we haven't said this yet, or I haven't said this yet. As a listener of the show for one week, you did point out that you wanted a close game. Okay, don't put this shit on me. <laughs> I'm just saying this was the game, right? This was the game that, that you said that Nebraska needed to, pr- to prove that they could play a close game and win. Yeah, well. They fucked it up. And I was, I was thinking about that the whole, the whole game, because it was tight the whole way, right? They go, yeah. they get off, they get off looking good on offense. They, they give up the interception touchdown to tie it up and that's when you kind of felt like okay well, here we go like we're in for a battle yeah but also you know i was thinking back to your words and i was like okay we're in for a battle but this is a great opportunity yeah i gotta imagine you were probably like wow ben really nailed that one yeah yeah no i you i thought yeah can i i don't i was gonna say let's can we move on but like <laughs> we're moving on to ohio state now we're gonna move on to another beer first well, yeah, that's true. There's an, there's an intermission. Yeah. Before we move on to our next beer and Ohio State, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. The craft beer industry provides over 4,000 full-time jobs in Nebraska alone. When you drink craft beer, you're supporting local small business, something that's important now more than ever. If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can support the NCBG by joining the Nebraska Beer Alliance. Being a member gives you access to exclusive discounts, Nebraska beer merch, and members-only information. You can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting nebraska.beer. So, Drew, why don't you tell us about the next beer we're drinking from Empyrean, this Burning Sky. Yeah, this is a this is a Scottish-style ale. It clocks in at 5.3%. It's only a 13 IBU, so this is definitely a very malt-forward yeah. style. It's a multi-multi beer. I've, ha- I've bumped into some Scottish ales that I, like, absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Um, 90 Shilling is one from Odell that kind of hooked me on the style. I bumped into some that I'm not a fan of like, at all because yeah. they're very, very aggressive. But if you can find something like Burning Sky from Empyrean that just kind of hits the right note. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the aftertaste of a good bite of apple pie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Just that bready, crumbly, slightly sweet, a little bit of caramely yeah. notes that just linger and dance. I could drink this all day. This is like a good creme brulee, the burnt sugar. This is like a good, yeah. any of those notes. It's just hitting that on all cylinders, and it's super smooth. There's Like you said, there's no bite to this. Nothing. It's carbonated beautifully. It's velvety. Mm-hmm. Just easy to drink. This is another. You recommended this one because of the weather when I went out and, and picked up some beer for this episode. And, yeah, this is something that you could be wrapped in a blanket by a fire pit and really... It's flavorful enough that you can just kind of sit and, and sip it sip it and enjoy it and appreciate it, but it's also so good that you can just fucking put it down quick. Yeah. Without realizing that. it. Yeah. <laughs> without realizing. So again, like uh, this is a style that um and there's some there's some weird elements. Like there's a little bit of like peat smoke that 
that people will throw in there and it's yeah. it's very artificial and over the top and again like the aggressive maltiness can be off-putting at times but when they when you find the right one when one that, hit, that hits correct like burning yeah. sky oh man empyrean does a wonderful job there's a reason they've been around as long as they yeah. have and they and just celebrated just everywhere. their 30th anniversary of being around 1991 to 2021 so nice. 30 years good job empyrean Way to go. Yeah, you deserve it. You earned it. You yeah. earned it. You you did good by us. Yeah. So And try Long Route, too, if you get a chance, because that's also a great beer. That one is Winter Axis. Axis was good. Third Stone Brown was my first Empyrean beer that I had. Yeah. And again, this is the first Nebraska craft beer that got me hooked. So if you can get Third Stone Brown, do that for sure. And then also, because I can't... Oh, they're, they're Vanilla Porter, Dark Side. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, they just make good beer. All, like, yeah, yeah, just <laughs> just go and buy all of their beers. Yeah, check They're out their good. beers. They do a lot yeah. of uh, variety packs, so if you do want to sample across the board, so check them out. All right, it is time to move into the Ohio State University matchup with Nebraska. Normally, we do adjust the facts, but because we're recording this Saturday evening as opposed to when we normally do, I, the only fact I have is that Nebraska is currently sitting at 3-6 and six after their loss to Purdue because it just happened. Ohio State's playing right now. Nobody's announced the game time. There's no fucking spread. So <laughs> there's no hope. So Drew, let's let's start here. There's no spread yet. Okay. What do you think the spread's going to be? 20, 22 and a half. 22 and a half? And I think that you take the over on that all day. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be three touchdowns or more. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll we'll talk about why because Ohio State <laughs> is playing at a very high level right now offensively yes offensively and i think defensively too they defensively, are defensively they have and special teams we, yeah well, <laughs> hey so let's start let's with talk. special okay. teams this is just a lot of us yelling at the <laughs> same time right now <laughs> it's okay which is probably how we watch the game yeah just a lot of yelling so let's talk about ohio state we'll break them down section by section and let's start talking about special teams drew what do you have for special teams okay i want to talk about just a couple of players that they have that kind of just emulate who ohio state is as a team Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we kind of lament the fact that our special teams is not great, and it and it's indicative of the discipline on this team and, and the investment that the players and coaches have, et cetera. They have a place kicker in Noah Ruggles, who's a North Carolina transfer. In 2019, when he was a sophomore there for the Tar Heels, he was 45 of 45 on extra points through 13 games. So he's perfect. He's perfect this year for Ohio State through seven games with. 44 extra points on 44 attempts. They have a prolific offense and they don't they don't they don't end their touchdowns with a derp yeah. kick. Like, you know, like everything every single point matters to this team. Every single play matters to this team. They're buttoned up. They're unstoppable and I'm so not looking forward to playing them. It's safe to say Noah Ruggles has Noah struggles. <laughs> <laughs> That would be correct. Cool. They also have a really great kick return specialist in Amika Agbuka. He's averaging 35 yards per return on nine returns, which ranks him number five nationally. So this is a game where Nebraska needs to kick touchbacks. Yeah. Cannot give away opportunities here for for Ohio State to take advantage, you know, in that in that regard. And then the only other thing I want to talk about is a field position battle. Sure. Something that you're a big fan of. I know you like to talk about a lot. I do. I went through and looked at all of Ohio State's drives as well as their opponent drives and where they're starting throughout the season. Way more work than I did. It was a lot. So, okay, yeah. It took a little while. Ohio State's averaging starting 
field position is their own 30. Okay. Their opponent average starting field position is their own 24. Not like a huge difference. No. It's just those six yards. It's right around where you would expect for for teams like this, right? But when you look at that combined with who Ohio State is on a team on offense and defense, and you start digging into numbers even further, you see that the offense will score 0.72 points per yard to go beginning their drive. And they're holding opponents to 0.25 points per yard to begin based on their, their beginning. Yeah. Statistically, the difference in expected points scored with a starting field position of twenty four of the twenty four yard line and thirty yard line is about point eighteen points. That's the difference. Ohio State is at a point where their difference is almost three times higher. Like it doesn't matter where Ohio State starts, they're going to score. They're keeping other offenses from getting good field position. And then they're suffocating them on defense. Like yeah. it is all around. I did a whole shitload of research to discover that Ohio State's really good at football. Yeah. No matter where they are on the field. Yeah. It 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 does feel like that, right? No matter how you break down Ohio State, you just wish you were Ohio State. Yeah. Ryan Day has his team bought into the idea that the success of your team begins and ends with special teams. That brand of Ohio football, of gutsy, gridiron, hard earned bloody-knuckled football. Special teams is where it all starts, and nobody understands that better than Ohio State. Michigan was good at special teams. Ohio State writes the book, so it's terrifying. For a team that, that always plays like that, this year they're playing special teams at an exceptionally high level, and guys like Smith and Jigba, who are going to go into the NFL as a wide receiver, they, he cares so much about special teams, should terrify everyone. The fact that he enjoys doing that. I mean, I wish that we had that kind of commitment and buy-in and opportunity for our playmakers to change the game with special teams. So that's what I have to say about that. I respect the hell out of what Ohio State does on special teams. So how do you feel about Nebraska's offense versus Ohio State's defense? Not not good. You know, the defense was the big question mark for this team especially that secondary you know with with younger guys and they had some people that are banged up this year and early on they were struggling on the back end um they ended up switching up their play caller they ended up kind of switching up their their scheme there they switched from a one high safety to a two high safety and that's completely flipped around their season and they 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 kind of do what ohio state does where they they give everybody like a just a little like a hint of hope at the beginning of the year where they they struggle against a team they shouldn't or they like they drop that big game at the neutral field and then they just fucking pick it up and start rolling like yeah. they just whatever happens everything starts to click for them and that's that's exactly what's happening this year things that I that I worry about I worry about Nebraska offensive line giving up sacks I worry about what's going to I mean that's normal right like that's not anything new Ohio State's averaging three and a half sacks per game, and I don't, I don't see how they go lower than that in this game. Oh, and he, there's a way to go lower, <laughs> and I haven't written down. <laughs> if they, if even if Martinez plays like a super elusive game, I, he's going to be under pressure the whole time. Yeah. And, and we've seen the past couple games where he's, whether it's injury or whatever, he's struggled in his decision making and in his play. So I'm worried there. I'm worried about our offense in the red zone. We score on seventy percent of trips, which is not good at all. And their defense, if there is a place where you can kind of maybe look for some hope, it's in the red zone. 
their defense gives up scores on about 80%, which is average, but that's I'm that's it. Like that's a chink in the armor that but it doesn't work well against what Nebraska's bringing to the table. Yeah. I have a lot of similar sentiments that you have. Ohio State's defense averages 9.4 tackles for lost yardage. So that includes tackles for loss or sacks per game. And opposing offenses lose an average of 56 yards in those tackles. I'm going to let that sit for a second. That's how violent and aggressive this Ohio State defense is. And you talk about changing play callers and changing the mentality on defense. You talk about struggles in the secondary. I say, what secondary? Who in Ohio State's secondary do I even need to care about? Because everything starts with their defensive line. They've got Haskell Garrett, and they've got a true freshman defensive lineman in Tyleek Williams that have combined for 20 tackles for loss or sacks through seven games. One has 10.5, the other has 9.5. Those are just monster numbers. So forget linebacker play, forget secondary play. If you can't slow down the line... And give your offensive scheme time to just develop. The rest doesn't matter. And Ohio State knows it. They're going to let loose the Monstars and expect the Toon Squad to make hay. And it just doesn't work that way. And we saw how hard Nebraska struggled when they when they let guys like Karloftis in the game against Purdue. Nebraska struggled. They're not. They're steamrolling people. They're not playing great offenses by any means. Like yeah, they're playing the bottom feeders of the Big Ten right now. Nebraska is a is a fool's gold offense. Statistically, they rank at the near the top of the Big Ten, but they're so disjointed. They're so unreliable. I don't. I don't see them. I don't see them having success. The fact that Nebraska comes into this game, and you're absolutely right, that the offense looks disjointed. It doesn't have an identity. We're not getting the ball to our playmakers. I know I'm putting some words in your mouth here, but I don't think it's anything you disagree with. Right. Ohio State just plays so disciplined. They're letting that front four attack the rest of the team responds to how that attack works and then good things happen for them they're only plus four in the turnover margin but on interceptions get this ohio state averages 29 yards of return when intercepting the ball well that then that tells me that they're not just picking off these jump balls that that quarterbacks are chucking up there they're reading plays they're making breaks they're grabbing the ball on the run. They're prepared. Yeah. They're schematically being coached to be in the right spot. Normally, like we wrap up our we wrap up our offensive talk and I'm like, I'm gearing up for defense. It's like, here's where we're gonna here's where we can, you yeah. know, find something to to hang our hat on. You and, know what? Well, let's let's do it. Let's talk about Nebraska's defense against Ohio State. And and before we get into the specifics, before we get into the numbers, when we played Oklahoma and Michigan State and Michigan, we didn't expect to be as successful as we were. And it would be nothing but par for the course for this team for them to go out and pitch a hell of a defensive game against Ohio State. Regardless of anything, we come out and say, I don't want to underestimate this team, our team. (laughs) I feel like I'm properly estimating (laughs) Ohio State. So before I say what I'm going to say about Nebraska's defense versus Ohio State, I also would not be shocked if this defense rose to the occasion so let's mention all the facets of ohio state that are good or great offensive line play great running back room led by true freshman travion henderson great wide receiver room including but not limited to garrett wilson chris olave and jackson smith and jigba really fucking great quarterback play from cj stroud good becoming great (laughs) the dude can't run i think what does he have like 
10 yards on the season, but he doesn't have to. No, he That's doesn't. That's not a knock on him. It's just, he doesn't run. They don't have to run their quarterback, which is which makes it all the more crazy. You think about all these statistics that quarterbacks put up these days in terms of total yardage and passing yardage, and a lot of the times it's because they're dual threat and they make defenses make choices. C.J. Stroud's just a great quarterback with an insane, an insane wide receiver core. Yeah. These three guys are on pace. They're on pace for all being a thousand yard receivers, which hasn't happened in Ohio State history. They've never even, I don't think they've ever had two thousand yard receivers in here. They've got three on pace. And then he's got, yeah, like you said, Trevion Henderson is averaging 8.8 yards per carry, which is number one in the nation. It's like, as a true freshman. Yeah. As a true freshman. Yeah. In the Big Ten. Yeah. And they have Master Teague still there, who is not a slouch. Yeah. Great name. Good running back. Not as probably not as good as Trevion Henderson, but you know, I, mean, I to be I, fair, he's a different type of running back. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a more bigger of a guy. Wrecking ball. Ohio State is averaging a forty-one point eight point margin of victory. C.J. Stroud has thrown twenty-two touchdowns, but he's ran for none. So Adrian's way better there. <laughs> the the one thing I will say that I feel is something he's going to grow into for C.J. Stroud is. He does tend to throw into traffic because he knows what kind of receivers he has. That's the one area defensively where I don't think anyone's taken advantage of Ohio State because they haven't had that game yet where the receivers aren't playing to their level. I don't think these are the kind of receivers that are going to have an off game. But if they did, Stroud doesn't mind putting the ball up and letting his guys go make great plays. And if you have a throw like that where your receiver can't get his hands on the ball or tips it or something like that, opportunity could happen. It doesn't a lot because those guys are vacuums. They just pull everything in. But that's really the the weakness I see for CJ Stroud is sometimes he does force that ball because he's got these insane fucking wide receivers. He does, yeah. They're going to they're going to get the ball. They they're what makes them so great is that they're is they create separation in the way that they run their routes and it's it's just natural instinct. It's they, not even separation. If if you're talking about the cornerback jumped 2 feet and then the wide receiver jumped four feet. That's the separation. It's vertical separation, not like horizontal on the field separation. They do. They do a lot of. They. I. I know what you're saying about CJ Stroud. Like how he will. He will. Cause he. But that's faith, not just in his receivers, but in his own skill. Yeah. In his own ability he, to throw a ball. And, and that's what I'm saying. That's about. That's about what you can ask for. Is if you're gonna catch Ohio State, it's that timing and all that is just off for whatever reason that game. And I think as a Nebraska fan, we go, well, teams have to be off every once in a while, right? Right? And so for me, with Nebraska and their defense versus this offense, is just just keep everything in front of you. Try and limit the big plays. And be take, when you choose to be aggressive, put your whole heart into it. When you say keep everything in front of you, like I, I thought about that too. Yeah. And Nebraska does do that already. They play soft coverage, and we saw that against Purdue. And what did they do? They took high-percentage throws, and they stayed on schedule for the most part. When Nebraska got Purdue off schedule and they were faced in third and longs and they were predictable, Nebraska did pretty good on stopping them and, and pushing them to fourth down. But when Purdue kept a, kept things on schedule, like they had an incredible amount of success moving the ball. And that's Purdue. That's a one-dimensional Purdue. Like... This is this is a very balanced, highly efficient, high scoring, highly talented attacking unit. And if Nebraska plays soft coverage, they're gonna get eaten alive. But I don't know what 
<laughs> they are like this is not a this is not a we're gonna give you six yards and you know and try to get you into third down and make a stop. This is no, this team is gonna take ten yards and then they're gonna make you miss and turn it into fifteen twenty. Look, I know you're not wrong. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I just didn't wanna be. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's scary. It's just scary. It is. It's scary to think about because as soon as you start to get aggressive and you bring your safeties down and you and you try to attack and stop the run, that's when they're going to hit you over the top. And they yeah. have all these options. We haven't even talked about their tight end, Jeremy Ruckert, who's not had a, like a highly highly successful statistical season. He's having the best season of his career as a senior, um, but he is another like go-to option. And we think about Nebraska's receiving core. We, we throw out our top wide receiver names, but then we also think about Allen as that other guy. Ruckert is their other guy. He's, I think he's probably a little overshadowed because of the success that they're having with everyone else. Sure. But if you shut down their receiving core, they've got an option. They've got other guys. Like, so when you look down at their receivers, you've got their tight end, you've got Henderson, you've got their three wide receivers. All five of those guys average over, I think, 11 yards per reception. There is no slouch. Everything just has to be firing on all, all cylinders defensively for Nebraska. As a fan base, year after year, we always look at this Ohio State game that we somehow happen to always fucking get in our crossovers, and it's our litmus test. It's us saying, if we want to be one of the best teams in the Big Ten, this is the team that we measure ourselves against. They're not a good litmus test for anybody. Maybe Alabama and Clemson last year? I don't know. Like, for But in the Big Ten, like random-ass teams like Purdue... Or I don't know Indiana or whoever will jump up and beat Ohio State. That's not a fucking measurement of the program. Like that's not that doesn't tell you where they are yeah. in terms of their building process. That just tells you that every once in a while a shitty team beats a great team. That's just college football. So yeah. Nebraska cannot they cannot look at this game as a litmus litmus test for themselves because they're not on this. They're just not on the same playing field. Yeah. Purdue is your litmus test. Minnesota yeah. is your limit. Like Northwestern is also part of your litmus test, but how you respond to winning like that against Northwestern, it's part of your test. And they responded poorly. So I want to be hopeful. Like I want to. Well, it's yeah. I, I'm not blaming you for that. I'm not. I'm not saying that that's it, it. It's very hard to see an avenue in which Nebraska can come out on top against an Ohio State. Andrew, you make a great point as to why Ohio State is not a litmus test for Nebraska. It's a game where we're going to see some high-quality athleticism from Ohio State, and you just hope that Nebraska can put it all out there and give it their all for 60 minutes because that's the kind of team that we want to have, right, is one that never rolls over. Those are the the kind of teams that you can build upon where you have the guys who are not going to give in when it's very clearly a loss you still want to see them put it all out on the line. And I think that those are the kind of athletes we have. I do still believe that's the kind of leadership we have, that they're not going to go quietly. They're still going to put up their best fight. This might be one of the best Ohio State teams that we've seen in a long time. They're in their third year of being coached by Ryan Day, who I think is a superior coach to who they had previously. I just hope that our guys are willing to still run through a brick wall. Yeah, let let me and you and whoever else is a fan of this team drag our shitty ass attitudes through the weekend and through our work week and be just miserable. But 
please, Nebraska football players, don't do that. Yeah. Like, just your task is different in this situation. Your task is to rise up, face your next opponent, and go in with a winning attitude. Mine is to be this. A drunk asshole on a Saturday night, just without a fucking hope. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y. <laughs> it is now time for this week's Sportsman Sip. Before we reveal our predictions, we'd like to raise a glass to our opponent and sample a beer local to their university. This week, we are drinking Sunless Sea from Jackie O's in Athens, Ohio. Drew, tell us what we're working with. All right. Sunless Sea is an American double stout. Coming in at 13.1% ABV, just the kind of alcohol content you want in this situation. (laughs) This ocean siren was brewed on New Year's Eve 2018 and aged patiently in American whiskey casks for 19 months before seeing the light of day in 2020. Inspired by distinct black tea notes in the base beer, Jackie O's conditioned the double stout on vanilla beans, almonds, cardamom, cinnamon, and coriander. I was inspired by the sunless sea to find a sailor's toast instead of a simple cheers. So here it goes. O Lord above, send down a dove with wings as sharp as razors to cut the throats of them their blokes what sells bad beer to sailors. So cheers to Jackie O's and cheers to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, Cheers. So Drew, what do you think about this beer? I think all the same things about this beer as I, I do about Ohio State. This beer is really obnoxiously good yeah yeah all those spice notes that they mention are just ever present you wouldn't even begin to imagine this is 13.1 percent i've had some 13.1 percent beers that burn more than whiskey this tastes like a milkshake meets a blended chai meets a i don't know i mean it's just wonderful yeah it's it's pure smoothness it's there's there's i I pick up on a lot on the vanilla and the almond yeah. Um, in the flavor profile, but then the the tea that you can smell when you take a nice deep breath of this, there's a there's a lot of bold stuff going on right up front. But you take that take that breath in, and you let it go, and then that tea that like just comes through. It's this is delightful. Absolutely. If you ever get a chance to pick up a bottle of anything special from Jackie O's. They're in Athens. They're actually all across the state, and you can order them online as well and be have that delivered to Nebraska. So Jackie O's, if you ever get the chance, this Sunless Sea was a special release for them, and I feel special being able to drink it. It doesn't make me feel any better about what we're about to do here. So, Drew, moving into our predictions for Ohio State, yeah. your too early prediction was 55-24 Ohio State. How how has that evolved over the season? It's not gotten better, I'll tell you that. There's a show on Netflix called I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robbins. Best show ever. <laughs> it's it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal show. It's not for everybody, I get that. There's a bit where he gets really amped up to be a part of a prank show. And he puts on um like a fake fake bodysuit yeah. and all this and he and he goes into a mall and he's got these people in his ear and they're telling him to do pranks <laughs> and things just go south in a hurry there's all sorts of optimism at the beginning it's going to be fun it's lighthearted and then reality sets in just go go look up the show go watch the show any way you can find it i know it's on netflix and you'll understand exactly where i am i don't want to be here anymore it was fun for a little while 
and I don't want to be here anymore. So my prediction is Eric Shenander makes his debut as interim head coach of the Cornhuskers. Nebraska fans are thrilled, and I mean absolutely thrilled, to finally, finally be able to say, hey, at least it wasn't a one-score game, Ohio State 62, Nebraska 10. It's a, this, is a, this, is a, this is a kick them while they're down for Ohio State making a statement. They have a loss on their resume. They, I'm assuming they're going to beat Penn State. They are going to want to follow that up by putting a beat down on a reeling Nebraska team. They know that there's blood in the water. They know they're, they want they want to make statements at this point, right? They're going to pick yeah. on the little guys, and Nebraska's a little guy. Yeah. A very little guy. A very little guy at the bottom of the Big Ten West. That's fair. They need to beat Nebraska down. I just, stay on there. I so badly don't want it to be 62 to 10. But Ohio State does, and they will make it that way because they define reality. You're not wrong, but Ten. I don't live in reality, my friend. Oh, no. Okay. I don't live in reality. Buckle up, people. It's going to be a car crash. Let's do it. I predict that Nebraska will put up a fight against Ohio State in the first two quarters. This is the most talent-heavy team that Nebraska will play in the regular season and one of, if not the best coach teams, too. If Nebraska pulls this one out, it will be sheer will and effort. I predict that when they enter the locker room, they will feel battered and bruised. Their spirit will be broken as they head in down at the half. And I predict they will need one hell of a halftime speech to charge into that third quarter and defeat a much faster, more talented opponent. Just as Henry V implored his troops against the French in the Shakespearean classic, Henry V. Once more into the breach, dear friends. Once more. Or close the wall up with our Nebraskan dead. In peace, there's nothing so becomes a man as modest stillness and humility. But when the blast of war blows in our ears, then imitate the action of the tiger. Stiffen the sinews, summon up the blood, disguise fair nature with hard, favored rage. Now set the teeth and stretch the nostril wide. Hold hard the breath and bend up every spirit to his full height. On, on, you noblest black shirts, whose blood is fed from fathers of war-proof, fathers that like so many corn huskers, have in these parts from morn till even fought and sheathed their swords for lack of argument. Be copy now to men of grosser blood and teach them how to war and you good yeoman show us here the metal of your pasture which i doubt not for there is none of you so mean and base that hath not noble luster in your eyes i see you stand like greyhounds in the slips straining upon the start the game's afoot follow your spirit and upon this charge cry Go big red. <laughs> oh, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry that whole time. Oh my god, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Oh. So I predict we'll all be proud of the play of our beloved Huskers, but the Buckeyes will prove too much. It will be three years before we see Ohio State in the regular season again. 
But regardless of who is at the helm and who is behind center, we will be ready, for we may have lost the battle, but the war has just begun. Ohio State 47, Nebraska 29. Oh, man. That was good. That was that was brilliant. Just thought I would throw everything I could at this game, Yeah, which is what I hope Nebraska you, does. That's all you can do. That is all you can do is just... We are not an Ohio State caliber program at this exact moment. We have been in the past. I hope we can be at some point in the future. But there are the occasional moments where teams like Purdue, where teams like Iowa, where teams like Northwestern, where they rally and they get behind themselves for no greater purpose than to go out and prove their worth and prove what they're capable of and say that we are David, this is Goliath, and we know how this story ends. All right, before we say goodbye, we want to give you another chance to win our season-long prize package, including a game-used Nebraska football and local brewery swag. For this week's entry, email wannabewalkons at gmail.com with your Nebraska-Ohio State score prediction. Remember, there's only one entry per episode, and you don't have to be correct to win. If you're a new listener or haven't entered our earlier episodes, you can do so until we give the prize away. Just make sure to include your first and last name in each of your email entries. That does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned in to this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. You can find more information on Empyrean Brewing Company by visiting EmpyreanBrewingCo.com. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation. Tune in next week as we share our thoughts on the Ohio State game and pick our favorite Nebraska football-themed beer. All right. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.